Welcome to Turnaround Arts Des Moines podcast. Turnaround Arts, a Kennedy Center program, brings arts education resources into priority and focus designated schools as a strategic tool for targeting larger school challenges and opportunities. Turnaround Arts Des Moines includes the following elementary schools. Finley. Cattell. Moulton. Madison. Oak Park. And Harding Middle School. Turnaround Arts Des Moines podcast began with the question, who is telling our story? Over the years, we have heard many stories about our students. We realized that their voices were missing from the narrative. Our elementary and middle school students are the creators, producers, and talent on this show. Where their voices will rewrite the narrative for our community. Should I wait? Okay. I don't know. It doesn't really matter in the background. <laughs> We're on. We essentially have been exploring. Um, DMPS is doing a lot more focus on social emotional as we have been for a couple of years, but even with this time um, in the pandemic, there's been some very directed professional learning around social emer- social emotional learning for staff. Um, there's been a lot of conversations about taking care of your own self and what that looks like in for educators and for families. And, um, and then we have continued to have these conversations around, we know that theater in particular, is is arts in general but theater in particular is so impactful and so um specific in helping students practice students and adults practice and um, engage in the skill sets that uh, uh, we know are important for learning for social emotional um so but we're also looking at like what does this look like if we kind of you down we recognize our current reality and are still knowing that those are important and how do we re-envision what the future looks like so I don't know if anybody else wants to add on to that I don't know that I spoke as clearly as I would like today but that's kind of where I'm especially talking with like our partners um, in theater arts and saying like you have these these rich backgrounds we've been partnering with you for years we've been working on this work you know our last arts integration was very very specific on social emotional learning the arts with ping um, and others and so it's that is kind of our like we're wanting to just gather perspectives and gather inputs and um, we're putting them together in probably a series of podcast episodes. So if you haven't subscribed to our Turn On Arts to Mind podcast, you should. It's on Spotify. Um, we've been releasing new episodes every Wednesday, so we're getting better at it. Um, but we're like, these are more geared toward the adults and the um, educators and, and learners in our community um, in reflecting on like what's next and what what things inform what next and I think that kind of sums up where we're going for. So I think I think when we get into this conversation about why SEL and why theater in particular for SEL, I think for me and I think in our experiences and in working with a diverse population of people, I think to me it really is about the equity mm-hmm. and about, I think sometimes when we look at lessons for SEL and here's what you're supposed to gain, glean from this lesson and this is the way you're supposed to feel and this is the way you're supposed to act and this is what is societally appropriate, we really teeter on this line, this very, very strong line of inequity, right? Mm-hmm. If we're not actually having um, the opportunity for um, students and adults to feel mm-hmm. and yeah. empathize and experience and hear the stories um, in a way that 
that uh, that does create empathy in a way that does allow someone to be represented um, and to be seen and to be heard. I think that to me is a big like why theater mm. or SEL? Why why does this art strategy really really help um, really elevate that learning? Mm-hmm. Well, and that made me think too, like if we are just teaching students based off what is coming to mind for us, uh, we're limiting ourselves and limiting the learning because it's based off of our understanding and our experiences. But through uh, through theater, we open up avenues for students to share their background, their experience. So when we talk, you know, when we, excuse me, when we shut down students saying, well, what if, what if, what if, well, there's a thousand what ifs, you're right. However, some of those what ifs may never come to our mind because I haven't lived it. I haven't experienced it. Um, But through theater, students will be able to share some of the things that they live every day that we wouldn't even know to acknowledge. And so to us, it might be a what if that we think is totally out in the, you know, out there. But really for a student, it is something. This does happen to me. And so it is potential that it could happen on the playground or could happen in the classroom because that's my learned experiences. I've learned to manage things in that way. So through theater, we're giving, like you said, equity for all students and all teachers to share what they've learned and that allows us to teach to a much broader spectrum yeah i too like give value to their lived experiences yeah Yeah. i think in right our yeah our sel development is so it's so personal and closely tied with our um identities and our you know different cultural identities and using drama and theater really done correctly, right? Puts it more student-centered and less teacher-centered. So what you're saying, right, is it allows students to really bring those backgrounds and experiences to the table and to explore that without just being solely teacher-centered and then therefore teacher lens-centered based on that person's um, identities and experiences. So using those drama and theaters skills and strategies um, really allows for like inquiry and exploration exploration of those different ideas mm-hmm. yeah. I'm Caroline Myers I'm the education manager at Des Moines Performing Arts great great <laughs> my name is Sarah Perez and I am the curriculum coordinator at Des Moines Performing Arts. And that's what. Thanks, ladies. What is your experience, and this is kind of just an open-ended question, but what's your experience with theater? You know, I think um, when you ask about experience with theater, for so many of us on our team and our organization, that, that experience with theater started when we were very young. It started by theater by going to shows with our parents or our families and it's just always kind of been part of the fabric of our lives and um, you know many of us have been fortunate enough to find a way to keep that involved in our professional lives so oftentimes when people think about working in the theater they think about being an actor or maybe they think about being a technician but they don't think about all of the administrative roles that um, exist behind the scenes so you know, I did theater all through high school and a little bit in college and um, got involved in arts administration kind of through a side door and didn't even realize that that door was even a possibility. Um, and I feel very fortunate that for the last decade, I've been able to kind of combine my love of working with young people and supporting the arts and my organizational skill set to help build education programs in theater, music, and dance for the Des Moines and Central Iowa community. Yeah, and I am um, similarly a person who enjoyed going to the theater or being part of musicals um, as a high school and college student and singing and being a person who is interested in the arts in general. Um, but I think that I found a pathway to 
um, being more interested in theater as it applied to children as a teacher. Um, I taught kindergarten and then I moved up to teaching college students and um, had some experiences in between those age ranges. And it felt like part of what was missing in the beauty of teaching kindergarten was that uh, sort of welcoming of their human and physical selves into the classroom space that then is really absent or devoid of those um, pieces of humanity as you get into teaching older students. You're much more focused on just the intellectual uh, experience in the classroom and the body sort of fails to come along. Um, and that felt like involving art was a way to welcome more of that humanity piece back into the into the classroom. And so that sort of is my, my role sort of lives in between theater and, and classroom and, and wanting to create clear links between the two spaces. I think both of you kind of led us into the next question and really um, taking your experiences and, and wondering how your experiences in theater in particular impact your own understanding of social emotional learning. Sarah, you were talking a little bit about like, especially in education, as we move through, we kind of forget the whole human and think more about, well, in school, it's about mind, right? And and not thinking about the whole person. But how are your own experiences impacting, impact your own understanding of social emotional learning or social emotional growth? Uh, I, I can speak about that briefly. I feel like the um, my pedagogy is really guided by how I can try to be uh, responsible for content, obviously, responsible for meeting um, the objectives or the things that we have to check off our list. Uh, but I never fell in love with anything because of a worksheet. Like, I, that's not my experience of learning. Like, I don't, that's never been a way that I got deeper into anything. So the only way I ever began to be a person who was really um, in love with learning or felt welcomed in the school environment was through uh, feeling connected to the material in a deeper way. And that often came through connecting emotionally with something that was beautiful, even if I didn't understand why, or something that was um, upsetting, or there was an image that that was poignant and that needed unpacking, and like to connect with the world, not just the class, the small classroom space. Those doors into other spaces felt like what they they allowed me to become, you know, a person who cared about the school environment. Where otherwise, you know, why did nobody loves grammar? You you love grammar because it gets you somewhere else, or you love you know, watching uh, somebody speak about something because they love it. So in that piece, we sort of try to figure out how to make it more formulaic and avoid the mess that's in between the the part of learning that really is, I don't know, magic is a little cheesy, but it, there's something, there's something that's beyond just the flat, like learn these skills that turns into something that we can't, that isn't quite tangible. And that's where I sort of feel like that piece comes in for me. Maybe that was a rambly answer. Anyway. That was great. <laughs> Caroline, I think we got you muted still. Uh-oh. All Hello? Yeah, there you are. Hey. <laughs> we kept switching each other on and off. Um, all of that has so much richness. And I think the art as a whole have all of those kind of really remarkable entry points. And when I think about, you know, as a young person, I don't think I necessarily separated out music from theater in this kind of like siloed way. But when I do pull apart what I think theater in particular offers, I think as a a practitioner or a creator of theater and even if that's you know an elementary student acting out something in a school play or a sketch or even in um, just an exercise in school it allows you to step out of yourself long enough that you can sort through 
the feelings and emotions of the situation or another person in a way that's really safe and that those feelings aren't immediate and so personal in that moment. Um, and so it, it's almost practice for life where you can bring your life experience into it, but also um, then kind of use that to build up what what is at your core. So when you are feeling those experiences or a similar situation, you've had a chance to to go through those in a safe way. Or on the, the flip side, if you're an audience member, um, narrative is so much about the human experience and getting to either see your story reflected in some way on stage and just to know that you're not alone in those feelings or those circumstances um, is such a healing part of what it means to be human, to have that reflected to you or vice versa, to see an experience that's maybe completely different than your own built empathy for others so that when we encounter others in kind of those social and emotional fraught places, we're building on that that core that maybe we don't even realize has built our, our way there, but it's so, it becomes so ingrained in in who we are, having those, those safe places to practice those feelings and that filtering. Right. I wanted to hop on that comment and saying that the, the theater also is a natural elevation space. So um, that matters in terms of representation, that when you're putting a story on stage, you're, in somehow, you're somehow legitimizing or claiming that that story is an important one. And having an audience of 2,000 kids seeing um, a person who looks like them or a person who has experiences in the way that they have or that represents their culture in some way, like that obviously there's more work to be done than just simply providing the representation. You need to be thinking about how that is stereotypical or how that is perhaps not representative for all students of a group or whatever. Like it's more complex than that. But even just saying this is important, we're all going to look at this person on a stage and see their story um, and their body or their thing looks like you. That feels like it also matters. I think that's so powerful that you, and I'm so grateful you both said that. Um, I know that in our work over, what, past six, eight years, in particular as Turnaround Arts Des Moines, um, it has been so, I don't know, refreshing is the word I want to use, but so empowering that we can take, that every year I have options in the applause series or the, the opportunities to take students that we have options to take students to see themselves on stage to have that representation and to have that reflection and learning around either cultural elements that they recognize or the ones like you were speaking to Carolyn they may not and then creating that empathy and understanding of a different culture and I think that is so important when we talk about social emotional learning that equity piece <clears throat> that sometimes is missed even in instructional pieces like yes we know SEL for equity but without mixing in those opportunities to experience and to be represented and to feel what others may feel that you can through theater I think a lot of times it's another of like well this is what you should be doing or here's what the curriculum says or here's what I as our typical school's white teachers tell you should feel and so I, yeah, I think that that is such a strength in our community. Your programming, Des Moines Performing Arts programming is such a strength in our community to allow us to have that um, access and representation for our students and community. So I just wanted to highlight and shout that out. It's, it's huge, it's important. <laughs> uh, how do you, so you guys have spent a lot of passionate, laborious time and working with teachers in particular in developing our educators in our community and that's what we do in the schools and, and and what we try to keep continuing and we've worked closely together on that but what um maybe speak a little bit to like ways that we coach teachers or how we can coach teachers to use theater strategies to teach sel um, and to develop those sel skills I, I feel like in my, I also teach at Iowa State in the teacher ed program. So I'm working with pre-service teachers frequently. And I have found um, that teachers are a group of people in general who really like to be 
doing the right thing and who really like to be meeting the expectation and exceeding the expectation and they want a lot of clarity around what that expectation is you don't generally become a teacher because you hated school so they're used to being able to navigate those pathways pretty successfully and i think that remains true when you get in to practice maybe you're a little bit more devious about being able to like <laughs> like well this is the expectation and here's how i'm going to meet it in a way that maybe is more true to my own feeling or experience but i think that that element of wanting to do it correctly is sometimes at odds with the notion of um, welcoming art into the classroom in whatever way because it is messier it is louder it is not as controlled in a, like a tight curriculum like that you have to like let go a little bit so but teachers can't really do that if their administration isn't also accepting of that being acceptable and if the district as a whole isn't like welcoming and fostering that kind of uh, ability to fail <laughs> or ability to like well that we tried that and then it was it was noisier or it was messier than it would have been had we just completed some desk work or you know we had kind of a state conversation around it so um i feel like in some ways it has to be for teachers a system shift of being like welcoming that taking a risk is going to be maybe not only uh okay but expected I don't know how you expect somebody to deviate from your <laughs> the expectation, but you know, like it's going to be okay. And we're fostering this environment where we want this to happen um, instead of it feeling like yet another task, which is completely the antithesis of what an arts experience should feel like, you know, like another thing you have to check off. So that's sort of like bound to not be emotionally fulfilling or, you know, Anyway, so it feels like it's a system system shift in some ways. I think to go add on just a little bit, I think that is the first and foremost, the core piece of it. And I think we oftentimes also hear from our educator friends that there's this pressure when they engage in the arts that there has to be some sort of product that is viewable mm -hmm. outside of the classroom. And it has to have certain expectations and be polished in this certain level of way. Mm -hmm. um, so I really appreciate one of the the um, Kennedy Center artists we've worked with in the past has, in her workshops, differentiated the difference between theater and drama in the classroom, where theater is presentational and you're working towards a product versus drama being the process and that being where the real learning and the engagement takes place. And there's a continuum and you can you can strive to have both with maybe it's a sharing for the wider school or um, other classrooms or families, but there's also so much that you can just do within that process that's just for your classroom community. And mm -hmm. that can be freeing in that place of it can be messier and engaging in that because you're not trying to lay so many expectations on it and letting students rise to the occasion and ask the questions and make mistakes and re-engage in that creative process that can also get to really great content. I like the idea of kind of switching the language to drama from theater, so it's not necessarily always that product-based, production-based, so that people can take the risk. That's, yeah, that's important to know that it can be messy and there's not gonna be a right answer and that there's going to be some things that aren't gonna be a polished outcome and, and that's part of what the learning around especially social emotional learning is like there's never there's never proficiency at social emotional learning i'm never going to be the best i will ever be at this you know like it's not like i'm getting the a in my self-awareness <laughs> you know yourself continually develops so it's thinking on those that that's a different shift of thinking as well for educators so yeah what yeah i'm sorry go ahead there's, no, there's I agreed. The reason why they call it play. Yeah. It's a play for a reason. You're playing, you're, you're experimenting, and that's all okay. Mm -hmm. It also, I think, for, young, for younger teachers especially, or maybe people who are who within their classroom, they're feeling challenged by management. It feels scary to have to be 
vulnerable or to try something new or to have to do something weird with your body or voice or you know like if you're if you're entering into this pretend world that can feel kind of vulnerable and if you already are feeling like you're struggling with with authority in some way or trying to like really maintain um a, a strict isn't exactly the word but like really just holding on then that can also feel like i don't wanna like let my guard down in any way and you kind of have to in order for the thing to to work or to build that trust that students will then be vulnerable in the classroom. And that's much easier said than done. I mean, I've been in classrooms where I felt like, oh, no, I think I'm just gonna uh, get through this experience. And that experience never got better because I also wasn't willing to change. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, that's right that kind of melts. Well, I think that melts some of our questions together here too, because I think what we really do a lot as educators, like we get, here's the curriculum or here's the strategies you're gonna use or here's the things that you are delivering to students. And we don't do the thing for ourselves, right? Like I already went through my learning. I went through all of this. I know how to do my ABCs and read and write and all that, but, but social emotional learning is so different. Cause like we mentioned, I, I'm never gonna be fully self, like fully fully to the best of self-awareness because I continuously change and adapt so like being able to be vulnerable about that in front of a group of adolescents or kindergartners you know like how do you do that and how do we get teachers to then one see the benefit of drama and, and theater in 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 developing their own skills and being comfortable in taking risks and then also being able then to share that experience and facilitate that with our students so we've kind of hit on some of those things so I wonder like as we look to supporting teachers to kind of to overcome those barriers or to actually be able to like self learn about themselves and their own social emotional learning for delivering to students what do you guys think I guess maybe it's twofold first like what do you think are the things and we've done a little bit of this in our arts integration courses through DMPA. Like, what do you think are the things that teachers need to do or practice or have the space to take risks with themselves before delivering to a classroom or facilitating a classroom? Yeah, I feel like doing some practice of what it is that it, it you're planning to say and do like just because it's an arts integration lesson doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't rigorously planned or that you're that that it is just like freewheeling in all aspects in order for it to feel freewheeling for the students it sort of has to be like the the thing has to be happening behind the curtain in some way for the students so that that it can be easy and I think that is a piece that sometimes becomes tricky when you're implementing is that it feels like it's just going to be like oh and then everybody gets free free and free to do whatever whatever their heart tells them to and while that's i think part of it it's within a relatively um structured way that we get to that piece if, if it, there's too much um then nobody nobody can learn in like an entirely chaotic space so like figuring out what are the plans can i think offer comfort to teachers who are maybe less secure when it feels like, okay, so here's what I'm going to say when someone says this or does this. Here's what I'm going to do when someone says or does this. Feels like it offers a little bit of a, some security in something that feels new and unknown. Um, mm -hmm. Coaches being in this space feels like obviously that would be helpful. So if there were more buildings that had more people like you guys who could be supports, that would be awesome. Um yeah, and I think also it it does have to do, uh, I try to, I, I still haven't quite figured this out, but there's something about you liking the teacher that can't just be about liking the teacher because sometimes you don't get along with people or, you know, there's that's just a human way. Not everybody is going to be a good fit with everybody, but being able to develop, develop enough um mutual respect that you can override like okay so maybe we're not going to be best friends well let's hope not because that maybe would be 
open up some <laughs> legalities. I don't know, but you, I, it'd be good to at least be able to establish a classroom where that student felt as if you respected them, and then that respect would come. Maybe like is too much to ask. Although, wouldn't we hope that our own children would all be in classrooms where people like them? But you know, we can at least get to respect. Yeah. You, um, yeah, you took it to, to those kind of higher systematic cultural wide places and backing up just a little bit in terms of, I think, Cassie, your original question was also just about um, permissions or work that teachers can do to kind of prepare themselves to engage in this. And I think it's also reminding yourself that any content you deliver to students, you have to kind of break it down into the building blocks for them. And I think with drama in particular, because it does mimic life in so many ways. There's can kind of be the misnomer that you can just kind of throw a script into students' hands and they'll know what to do with it. <laughs> and um, sometimes trying to jump right to that, that higher level place is just setting everybody up for, for it crossing too far into the messy quadrant that anyone's comfortable with and then it doesn't feel like it's success. So just like with any other content you'd be delivering, figuring out like, well, what are what are the smaller elements and what are some ways that I can scaffold in to give students some safe practice with that element? Um, mm -hmm. is, is, it takes time, but the rewards in the long run, you're going to see so much more success. And there's lots of strategies and we've done work on what some of those building blocks can be in each art form. So it, I don't want to like go into what those can be, but they're all things that um, but without an arts background can facilitate. You just need some time for somebody to kind of open the door and show you that. And and giving yourself permission to take some time to break it down and give that scaffolding to yeah. students. Yeah. I think that uh, the Focus 5 work in Acting Right is an example of how like those first building blocks feel maybe not like the most riveting work, or it's like sometimes there's <laughs> Teachers feel like, well, why in the why are we spending so much time getting in and out of a circle? Like, what is why? <laughs> this seems arbitrary and kind of unnecessarily um, harsh. But then when you get to the more fun parts, then it makes sense why you were building those pieces in the first place. Um, and I don't think focus like that acting right is the only art form that that does that. I think everybody sort of has like, here's the beginning part that's not that fun. And then once we get into the other part, you understand why we spent so much time getting these basics down. And then you can run and really fly, right? Because now they have all of these tools in their toolkit and you feel like you have the, the shared language with your classroom to create together. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yes, those are a lot of different elements and pieces I think we continually try to work with, like, trying to find the best means and routes to support teachers. When we're looking at PD, so we're looking at maybe the next arts integration course with CMPA or looking at um, how we move forward in our current reality, How? what does that look like to you all? Have you been having those discussions um, and maybe how can we kind of remotely support the use of theater and drama with our students either at home or our staff at home, or if we can't gather in large spaces, what does that look like you all? It's a big question. That's, that's <laughs> the question of the hour, isn't it? You right. know, I think we're seeing across the board in the, the professional theater world, companies that are trying to figure out, well, we are, we're theater artists and our art form is based on gathering in a space together um, and you know a lot of people are trying to innovate they're looking at streaming their performances or doing um, performances over platforms like zoom and um, we we totally respect people that are trying that but there's also a reason that um, acting on a screen is a different art form it's film it's television so there's um, this this clash right now of you know theater at its essence is about gathering in a space together. And it has been for millennia, you know, it's, um, it's hard, right? So I think everyone's trying to figure out what's, we know that theater in the long run is going to be fine because it has endured as part of the human experience for that long, but what that delivery looks like in this particular moment, everyone's trying to figure out um, 
But I think there's so much that families and students at home can still do. And instead of even just being consumers of theater, but being creators. I mean, mm-hmm. I think about to where I started. Is So, you know, I'd go to the theater a couple of times a year with my family, but you can bet that we were doing plays in our backyard or our basement. And the audience was just the people in our family or the neighbors in the next yard over. Mm-hmm. And that to me, I think is where so much of that love started even more than getting to go to the theater was engaging in those worlds of imagination. And there's, if you take away all of the lights and the fancy rigging that we have now, and we bring it down just to story and bodies in space, your audience might be in a different format, but you can still create wherever you are right now. That I'm getting a little emotional from that. Now. <laughs> that's, yes, it's so powerful and it's so great. And that's what we hope for our students and our families and, and that we can be doing. Right. So there's a natural inclination to play. So it doesn't, uh, we don't necessarily have time in our classrooms to invite that in, in, in as much as maybe we would like to, or maybe, uh, you know, our days are dictated by what needs to be accomplished rather than what's necessary for, (laughs) for the sustaining of the human spirit (laughs) within those walls. Um, So I, I don't know that there is um an answer that comes from industry but i think the answer has to come from the individual or like the a return to something or or a welcoming back of some element that already knows how to um interact and pretend and that maybe it it now has room to be more part of our lives again i mean that's idealistic for sure, because you still need money and uh, you still have a lot of other, you know, necessary pieces of your day. But we have so much time. It feels like uh, it. there has to be in some way a renaissance of creativity because we've been given this like gift in the form of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. which is awful and has real consequences for so many people, but also many people have time to create when they didn't have before and time to connect with their family in ways that they didn't have before. And that's yeah. um, a privilege in some ways, but also um, a reality for, for lots and lots of people that wasn't, you know, I, most of my friends uh, who are working moms haven't spent this much time with their children since their maternity leave like yeah because the the whole day is just non-stop children so I feel like that uh that opportunity to just like know your people better and to play a little bit more than you might have time for in general seems like the only potential silver lining for this thing mm-hmm Okay. What is, with all of our perspectives and all of your um, kind of passions and, and visioning, what is your goal or your vision for our starts of Des Moines, uh, this area, in the rural areas you work with too, so Des Moines and our surrounding areas, what do you kind of hope for from your lens for our students? so much there you know mm-hmm. I think um I think you don't pursue a life in the arts if you don't believe holistically in the power of people and their their lived experience um and I think the arts are such a powerful way to to promote that so I think of course we want all of the students of Des Moines and Iowa and the areas that we serve we want them to have you know, the skills that they're going to need to live productive and meaningful lives. Um, but we also want them to fully understand that they have lives of value and their uniqueness and that the contributions that they can make to their family, their community, and their world are so important. And also giving them the framework of how 
they fit into that larger society so that when they're making choices both for themselves and their families, they're also thinking about what does it mean to be a citizen? And to me, so much of that comes from giving them those arts experiences where they can explore that both where they are now and thinking about that wider world. Yeah, there's a whole um, sort of theoretical model that's based around uh, arts practice as a call to to like a, a role through citizenship or looking at it through the role of like sort of uh, preparing citizens uh, in that they're building empathy or understanding of the community being made of many different parts and not all of those perspectives are going to be shared, but that there's like some some power in in understanding or hearing other people's stories. I mean, I think we all know that it's difficult to stay in a space of fear or a space of anger when you know somebody who has experienced or has um, lived through a certain kind of uh, experience. So I think that those effects remain um, maybe not entirely similar in terms of the brain, the neurolo the neurological pathways that are built, but those experience can still happen whether you're speaking to a person in your neighborhood or a person on a stage and you're in row ZZ, right? Like you're, you're still understanding and seeing a human person who's experiencing this thing other than yourself, um, other than the story that you've lived. So I think that that I think that that thing is already happening. So if that thing could happen more, that would be part of my hope for um, children experiencing themselves on stage. I also think that there's, um, there is power in trying to get more students themselves to articulate their own stories and then have a vehicle to perform or share those pieces. Um, again, the audience doesn't have to be a huge auditorium, maybe it's a classroom space, but really using um, some of those models that we know are successful in theater to apply to classroom spaces, I think would be a useful, or useful makes it seem like it has a utilitarian purpose, but like a powerful move forward. And probably would help build more empathetic communities, which then would result in greater academic success. So. Win, win, win. Academic success, right? Say that again, Caroline. Uh, academic success, as well as you know, that empathy is so needed to to move forward. Our our striving for systems of equity at every level of our community and society. So I think, you know, the hope is for our students both now that they have arts-rich lives where they can find joy, where they find safety, where they find security and belongings as well as that long-term vision of how do we as a society continue to strive to where we we hope that we're capable of. Yeah, I feel like there's a thing that happened to us in the 80s and maybe the 90s where we had this reputation of this idea, maybe through our guidance counselors or whatever, where like, you're special and you matter. And that I think is true. But I think the lesson of our generation or the lesson of our teaching is you're special, you matter, but so does everyone else. Like, it's not, it's like the, that, and that message was probably already always present and we received it as, I'm, I'm great. And then maybe the second part of the message was lost in, in translation in some way, but like the leveling off of, okay, well, you matter, but so does everyone else equal to you seems like something that, how do you, I think social studies has a has an opportunity to um, bring marginalized stories to the forefront, but I think other than that, theater is one of the big ways that that happens. I agree. I mean, literature also does, but on the stage, it has I to think be intentional. You know, power. like it has to be. That has to be intentional. It has to be part of our curriculum. It has to be something that we're saying who is represented and who is missing. And I think. Um, we are so blessed and inspired and um, just to be able to have community partners such as yourselves who do consider that and who are constantly um, 
asking for that feedback with the educators and looking at our community in that way and just um, being truly actively engaged partners with our school systems. Um, so we thank you. Um, we thank you for that. We thank you for our students. We thank you for your time today. Um, and I just really look, we continually look forward to the, the great work that we get to do together, no matter what is thrown at us in these current times or, or in the future. So, yeah. Well, thank you so thank much you for, much for chatting. Yeah. You know, so much of what we know has been called into question, but to be able to engage in those bigger conversations reminds us what's really at the foundation and why why do we why have we built the systems and the programs that we have and the delivery might have to change for a while. We're not mm -hmm. sure yet, but the reasoning hasn't changed. So mm -hmm. thank you for allowing us to to talk about it. Yeah. And I think that it's a real invitation uh, or an opportunity if we are offering less opportunities that are based in the physical space, you know, is that an opportunity for equity? Is that an opportunity for there to be greater engagement from from communities who might not necessarily always visit the theater in the same way? It's, I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I think so, that yeah. that's true. I think there's a lot of opportunities that we can look at. You know, what is what is our you know, now that the whirlwind's kind of gone away in some ways, like now we are kind of going back to like, what is the intention and what is the bigger picture? And mm -hmm. and how are we still meeting and, and trying to meet those goals? Cause, because they matter. And so I think right. we can do that and have those conversations. And that is the silver lining, I suppose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Kathleen, do you guys want uh, to add anything? No, I just, yeah, I wanted to say thank you. There's like all the yard work and motorcycles and everything going by in my apartment. So I was like, I'm just going to stay muted during this because it's so much distraction. But Kathleen, like, I don't hear you saying like, it's nice to be able to go back to like our core values and why we do what we do and just really go back to that like this is why right we have this partnership is because those core values are so aligned and um just to in this time right some of that noise has been removed of just like the busyness that we get wrapped up in so be able to go back to those core values and really think about that why do we do what we do is one just nice to be able to hit that and then just re ensure that when we do go back that our actions and our decisions are based within those core values and we're continuing to keep that in mind as we move forward so yeah, yeah i agree just you know this has been an opportunity for us to reevaluate our core values and to really reflect on what we have been putting our time into and what are our priorities and so i think that when we do go back or however we end up moving forward, we're going to be able to bring it in a little bit of our focus so that we can really clearly see what what are we trying to do here? What's the impact we really do want? And if this is not supporting that, don't waste our time on that. And so mm -hmm. I thought that was, I love just getting that refocus from you guys, hearing those things that I feel in my heart and that I know this is why I'm here. but to just hear everybody agree with that and to really refocus has been powerful today. So I appreciate your words. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so much easier to be wonderful when they're, when it's all in theory too. So I feel like, oh, <laughs> then when you get into the classroom and there's all those people, then sometimes um, it's hard to maintain this, like, this is what I'm doing because, you know, people are, people are harder and messier and more lovely and more amazing. So, you know, but they definitely don't always go according to the, to the plan. So I think that's also teachers have so little opportunity to get to be, like thinking about what their what their practice is, mm -hmm. but not actually having to deal with like people's bathroom problems or you know, yeah. this person's upset because they're not 
you know, so-and-so's birthday party or whatever that thing. <laughs> I like taught kindergarten. <laughs> problems are yeah. pretty cute. But um, it, it, like, it seems like, well, that has to be in some ways kind of uh, a rare opportunity for teachers to get to be working, but not, but there's no people. Also maybe sad, but. But that's why I'm hopeful that, um, you know, they have been able to slow down enough that hopefully they will be able to listen to this and be able to hear what you're saying and really be able to reflect on it. Because I do agree when we are in the mix we've, and we're right there with the kids, with the teachers, the curriculum and all this and boom, boom, in our meetings and everything. Lots of times we get so spiraled into what we think we have to get done that mm-hmm. even if it's truly what we believe, we can get veered away from it because we're just trying to keep up with the rat race. So I'm hopeful that teachers will be able to have the time to listen and to really ingest and like reflect on what was said today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we need these, we need you guys, we need teachers, we need, and the more uh, different voices we can bring to this conversation, the better. I mean, I really like my job, but also I, I recognize that I'm speaking from a particular place and point um, of privilege and identity, and that also, you know, grappling with how how to di- diversify or alter the structure of those systems is also the quest of our our, our maybe lives is too strong, but it's an it feels like how do we then uh, work into a a place where the people having the conversations are also representative of the people who are impacted by the conversations. And that's really tricky. And I do not have a solution for that. (laughs) Clarity. (laughs) One day, one day we will. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's hope time and continued focus will result in. Yeah. More voices at the table. Uh, you guys rock Feed her the pitas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I copied over pitas like 50 times because I didn't know where else to go with it. Okay, that's about what my notes look like. Yeah. <laughs>